just doesn't want to turn on. It's very finicky. Did that work? Cool. Uh, I'm not patient. Good evening, everybody. Time to begin our service this evening. Tonight we will have uh, one song and then David will have announcements. Two more songs and then Chris will have our lesson. Our first song this, e this evening is number 708, Walking in Sunlight. If you would, let's stand for this song, please. Walking in Sunlight. Walking in sunlight all of my journey over the mountains through the deep Good evening, church family. A couple announcements before we have our devotional. Uh, as a reminder, this Saturday um, at 10 o'clock, if you're wanting to go door knocking, uh, we'll meet here at the building at 10 o'clock. Um, and if you have any questions or anything, please see Chris. Um, he'll be here and Marvin will be here as well at 10. So please see them if you have any questions. Um, also, October 15th, the youth will be going to the corn maze in Milton. West Virginia, and that's at 1 o'clock. We plan on leaving here and taking a bus at 1 o'clock to Milton. Um, October 18th is Young at Heart. Um, we were planning on going to Bob Evans Farm in um, Rio Grande, 
Um, if, there's, if you're wanting to go, there's a sign-up sheet on the four-year board. Also, Trunk or Treat is October 22nd from 7 to 8, so please put that in your calendars. Also, October 30th, we'll be heading to the Pumpkin House, and we'll be leaving here at 5.30, heading to Everoni's to eat first, because that's what you have to do, because um, their pizza's really good. And, uh, and then we're walking over to the Pumpkin House from Everoni's, and then we're going to go to Austin's afterwards. So uh, come join us for that event. Um, if you have not done so already, please pick up a directory. The directories are done. They're out on the foyer table um, in the foyer next in front of the, win the mirror, not window, mirror. Um, also, I just heard this. Um, Terry Diamond's turning 70 tomorrow. So uh, that's great news. Uh, so um, tell him happy birthday tomorrow, or you can tell him today. It's up to you. But uh, he's told me that. I thought I'd say that. Um, updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Amber Spitzer in your prayers as she's dealing with breast cancer at this time. Uh, pray for her. Also, pray for Gary Leap's brother, uh, Terry. Um, he's dealing with uh, stage four bone cancer and liver cancer. Um, keep uh, Terry in your prayers and that family. Also, remember continue to keep Jennifer Baker in your prayers as she's undergoing her cancer treatments as well. And also, uh, pray for Marvin's grandfather, Emery. Um, he fell and broke his hip. He is now going through rehab. Um, I can't remember where, but he's going through rehab. Uh, just, and that, just keep him in your prayers that he gets better. He has a small incident today, but uh, he seems to be doing fine. But uh, remember, continue to keep uh, the McAllisters in your prayers at this time as well. That's all the announcements I have at this time. Let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful and blessed to be able to come here this evening, Lord. To be able to come here to fellowship with one another, to encourage one another, Lord, that that we are all here for the same purpose, to learn more about you, to be able to apply your word and your love to our everyday lives. That way, when we go out to our communities, we can continue on letting your light shine. Lord, we ask you this time to still continue to be with our elders as they, may, as they meet, Lord. Be with them and give them the wisdom and guidance they need, Lord. Let them always still continue on staying true to your word and follow your word always, Lord. Lord, we ask you at this time to be with our sick. Lord, we ask you to be with Amber and Terry and Jennifer and Emery, Lord. Just be with them. Be with the doctors who are taking care of them, Lord. Lord, we also ask you to continue to be with Roger, Lord. Be with Charlie. Be with Margaret. Be with so many other... Uh, Eloise, there's so many others that are on our prayer list, on our hearts, on our minds, Lord, that, that we think of daily, Lord, that just be with them, be with their families who are taking care of them, Lord. Let us be an encouragement to them. Let us pray for them and let them know that we're praying for them, Lord. Lord, we ask you this time to still continue to be with our youth here at Rome. Lord, may our youth here at Rome continue on looking to, to you for strength and guidance in their lives, Lord. May they strive to be more like you, Lord, and be shepherds. Lord, that, when, that I pray, Lord, that we never look down on them, that we, we encourage them 
to do your will. Lord, we ask you this time to continue to be with us the rest of this week. To watch over us, keep us safe, Lord. But most of all, Lord, we thank you so much for you sending your son to die on the cross for us. Even though we did not deserve, even though he did not deserve to die. It should have been us on that cross, Lord. Lord, I pray that that we show the same love that you have for us to you, Lord. As we sing praises to you, Lord, as we go to prayer to you, Lord, as we hear a lesson from Chris this evening, Lord. Lord, be with us the rest of this evening. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Okay, Karina uh, Calico is going to turn 87 uh, this Friday. Um, she would love it if you send her a card. I know she'd be tickled to death about it, even if you go see her. Um, yeah, she, she would love that. Um, you'd be there a while, but uh, she, she, she would love it. Um, but uh, what encouragement that would be for her as well. Thank you, Connie. Our next song this evening is number 888. Thank you, Lord. 888. song before the lesson this evening is number 839. 839. When all of God's singers get home.
Our song of invitation will be number 767. Who at the door is standing? There's a French painter around the mid-1700s named Joseph de Croix. You probably don't know his name, but you might know his pictures. I'll show them to you in just a little bit. Here's one um, that he made of Marie Antoinette. His dad was the, uh, the painter for a royal family in Europe, and so de Croix came up under his tutelage, learning how to make portraits and, and things like that. He becomes an accomplished painter in, in his own right. His daughter will also become an accomplished painter. Um, but for some reason, he is never on the inside. He's always on the outside, especially up until he gets his big break. Uh, about 1760 or so, he's really struggling. They won't let him in the Royal French Academy for, for artists. He's not good enough. Uh, and so they won't let him in. But the French king has a small problem. His son needs a bride. And so his son's 12 years old, and he looks over at the Austrian queen uh, and her husband, the king, and they have an 11-year-old. And to solidify what is a struggling France in the mid-1700s, he thinks to unite these two kingdoms. And so a marriage proposal is had. Now, the French prince has a problem. He's never seen the Austrian uh, princess, and so he wants a portrait made of her. The Austrians say, great, and they send them this little, kind of like a, a wallet-sized photo, you know, a wallet-sized portrait of her. He says, that thing's tiny. I want, a, I want a life-size one so I can really see her face. Is she going to be pretty or not? And so he hires someone to go over to Austria and paint her, and he wants his court painter to do it. The only problem is the guy wants the equivalent of around $2 million to drop all of his current um, art projects, all the portraits he's got coming in uh, for other people, he's got to drop those now and go to Austria. And so he says, I'll do it, but I'm go you're going to have to pay me $2 million to do it. And so the, the French king says, well, it's not worth that. And so he finds somebody who's on the outs, who's a legitimately good painter, but won't cost $2 million to send to Austria for a bit, and he finds Joseph de Croix. Marie Antoinette is that 11-year-old princess from Austria, and he paints her. This is, this is her uh, years later. He becomes, Joseph de Croix in his later years, becomes Marie Antoinette's uh, painter. He is the official um, painter for, for the French court. And so there is a point in his life where he becomes famous, but it's not long-lived. Of course, Marie Antoinette herself is not long-lived. And after she dies, he falls out of favor. He also uh, painted someone else you probably are more familiar with, Ben Franklin. Uh, they are kicking around about the same time in France. And so he gets to meet Franklin in 1777, paints this picture of him. It's a good likeness, right? It looks like all the other portraits we've seen of Franklin. This may be maybe more what you're familiar with from Joseph de Croix. These are self-portraits, and you see the years here, um, but they're always in this, um, this style. And this is one of the reasons, especially in his later years, when he fell out of vogue with the French court. No artists in France, and frankly, no artists up until that period and, and none really after this, will paint portraits like this. Most of the time, they don't give you an insight into the person's life. It's not a candid shot, so to speak. They would more paint 
senior photographs, right? The curated pictures where the person smiles and they don't have the double chin and they're in their best vest and their, their stomach's not po poking out over their belt. And they look very good, very dignified, very refined, right? That's what most portraits look like in Joseph Duquois' day. He doesn't buy into that. He wants you to see people for what they really are. And so he, point, he paints self-portraits. I haven't been able to find any of them where he painted someone else in this style. These are all him. And so he's looking in a mirror, making these faces. Can you, I mean, can you imagine the self-portrait in surprise and terror? He makes that face 3,000 times to see where this wrinkle ends up on his face and how his mouth turns up. But he's constantly looking, looking at himself. But he doesn't do that for the other people around him. He doesn't do it for his wife. He has four children. He doesn't do it for any of his four children. He doesn't do it for his neighbors. He, he, only looks, he only looks at himself. Maybe this is the picture you're more familiar with. It became a meme in uh, what, 2014, 2015. It became a famous meme. Um, but this is his self-portrait. Uh, you see the, the title there in the guise of a mockingbird. He's, he's kind of making fun of someone there. And that's the picture, that's the face he would make of as he, he kind of poked fun at someone, right? And so you get an insight into this guy's mind. For just a split second, you get a very candid shot of what's going on in this guy's mind. But you don't get him giving you this insight from other people. I've been thinking about this lesson for an awful long time. I saw these portraits and I thought, there's a spiritual principle in there somewhere, but I don't know what it is. And then it hit me today as I was preparing for this lesson. Flip, flip over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. He, he, like I said earlier, he never paints a portrait of someone else like this. It's always himself. He's looking at himself. He's, in some very obvious fashions, humiliating himself, looking inward, taking account of his own flaws, right? He's got a very clear view of himself. We need a very clear view of ourselves, don't we? Sometimes we have kind of an inflated sense of ourselves, and if you were to look on social media, or even before then, before social media became a big thing, if you were just to look at folks' lives as they portrayed them, um, you would come away with a very curated view of their lives, wouldn't you? Everything's perfect. Every hair is always in the perfect spot. The smile, the teeth are flashing white. And in our culture of ridiculous perfection, in this arena, it's become even more rampant, hasn't it? And so you might be led to believe by looking on social media that people live perfect lives. They never have any problems, and that just makes us envious, doesn't it? The Qua teaches us something through these paintings, I think. And every time you see these memes, maybe you'll think of, I need to look more at myself and less at other people. I need to be taking more of an account of what's going on inside of me. I need to be more self-aware and less aware of what's going on around me, less aware of what your failings are, more aware of what my own failings are, less aware of my strengths and more aware of my weaknesses, but also more aware of your strengths and less aware of your weaknesses, right? In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says you need to count others as more significant than yourselves. That's verse 3. And I think these memes can, can teach us that. As we deal with each other and as we deal with people in the world, 
we often want to give ourselves some slack, but hold them to the fire, hold their feet to the fire, so to speak, right? We're, we're, it's easy to cut ourselves some slack, and it's awfully hard to cut someone else some slack. And I think these memes, as we watch them on social media and as they come across our, uh, our news feeds and things like that, I think they can help us rem help remind us that we're supposed to be looking inward. This is a race against myself. It's not a race against you. I'm trying to better myself. I'm trying to become more and more like Jesus. And what you're doing is not um, my affair in a great many respects, especially when you take into Jesus' words here in Matthew chapter 7. Listen to what he says here in verse uh, 3. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? Sometimes we're, we're very good at that, aren't we? we? We like to nitpick at other people when, a big, when we have a big problem of our own. And I think these memes will help us remind, to remember, um, to be more self-aware and less nitpicky uh, about what's going on around us and the people uh, that may be struggling around us, it's easy to compare myself to, to them and think, oh, I'm doing very well. And it's much more difficult to compare myself to Christ and see how poorly I'm actually matching up to his standard. You find this thought again in Galatians chapter 6, as Paul speaks there to the congregation that's struggling in this area. In Galatians 6, 1, he says, Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, but then he tacks on this last little bit here. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. We need to be very introspective. We need to be more self-aware. We need to be looking at ourselves, judging ourselves very harshly and others not as harshly. As you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul's definition of love, one of the things he says there is, Love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. And at the end of the day, one of the easy ways to understand what Paul's trying to get across to us there is love lets people off the hook. It doesn't hold people's feet to the fire. That's not how love reacts to people. And so we are very hard on ourselves. We are very self-aware, but maybe not as much aware of what's going on in the people's lives around us. We're not judging them harshly, but we're judging ourselves because we run this race against us. Um, this guy's very self-aware. He spent hours looking at himself in the mirror, trying to paint every wrinkle, to paint every, every hair in the right place. History tells us that he was pretty good as far as art goes, as far as capturing the image. He wasn't well-loved. In fact, he dies on the street. Uh, about 1801, he's going to die pretty well penniless, um, not well-loved, but he was pretty good at art, right? And he knew himself, spent hours looking at himself. We need to spend more time looking at ourselves and less time looking at other people, comparing ourselves to them, and more time comparing ourselves to Christ. So today, maybe this, is, maybe this has been helpful for you. Uh, maybe you think, oh, I, I do. I, need, I do need to spend more time looking at myself, and I've spent an awful lot of time trying to judge how well I'm doing based on how poorly someone else is doing. I need to spend more time looking at myself. Maybe you need to be baptized to have your sins washed away. Maybe you just need the prayers of this congregation. If we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing?
Can you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for this chance to gather together and, and study a lesson from your word, to sing songs of praise to your high and holy name, to fellowship and spend time with one another. We're so thankful for the freedom that we have in this country to be able to do this unharassed. And we ask that you help us to be bold and forget professing our faith because we know that this freedom is not uh, commonplace in this world. We ask that you be with those who were mentioned earlier who are sick and suffering in the various ways. We ask your healing hand and your, your loving hand be upon them, Lord. Be with us as we go to our classes. May the teachers help remember the things that they have studied and present them in a way that will help each and every student in the class become a better servant of you. I ask that you be with us as students as we listen and take in what is, is presented to us so we may glean a little bit more of your, your love for us. Be with us and forgive us when we go wrong. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.